This episode is brought to you by Hover. Every great idea deserves a great domain name. That's why I head right over to Hover.com to see what's available whenever I have a new project percolating. Hover has a dizzying array of extensions to choose from, Whois privacy is included with every domain, and features like Hover Connect make it super easy to connect your domain to a variety of popular website builders with just a few clicks. If you've got an idea you're passionate about, start laying the groundwork now by heading over to hover.com slash hurry slowly to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-O-V-E-R dot com slash hurry slowly. I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can find more calm, comfort, and clarity through the simple act of slowing down. Today, I want to talk about the relationship between anxiety and intuition. They are two mind-body states that, in my opinion, live at polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how we can move through and feel through our lives. But let's start with the basics and define our terms first. The New Oxford American Dictionary defines anxiety as, quote, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome, end quote. And it can play out from the smallest to the most massive level. You could be having anxiety about whether or not someone will respond to an email you sent or how it will go over. You could be having anxiety about the outcome of a tense conversation that you had. And will that person still like you or forgive you or work with you? You could be having anxiety about your health or that of a family member, wondering, will I be safe and well? Will they be safe and well? And we keep stepping up the ladder to larger anxieties. You could be having anxiety about a major life event. Will I get to keep my job? Will I find another job? Can I keep my business afloat? Or you could be having generalized anxiety about self-actualization. Will I be able to find a career path? Will I be able to use my talents? Will I be able to find work that's fulfilling? Until we arrive at the current moment, which is probably one of the most anxiety-inducing global events of the past hundred years, the current coronavirus crisis. A moment that literally sounds like the definition of what anxiety makes us worry about. An imminent event with an uncertain outcome. And most of us are experiencing many, or maybe even all, of the levels of anxiety I just listed simultaneously. From job worries to self-actualization worries to global worries all at once. And navigating all of this anxiety is extremely, extremely challenging. I don't want to understate that for a minute. But I also think that one message this pandemic is communicating to us is the intolerableness and the unsustainability of living in this state of anxiety. Because for so many of us, a thick layer of anxiety was already part and parcel of our lives before the COVID-19 crisis began unfolding. In certain ways, the crisis is simply magnifying the challenges that were already present in our lives. Everything we swept under the rug. And now the universe is like, You will stay home with that rug and look under that rug and inspect every little thing that you hid under there. This crisis is taking any little chinks in our self-awareness or our ability to truly care for and comfort ourselves 
and placing extreme pressure on them, creating an awareness of our own vulnerability that is almost intolerable. And where does this thick layer of pre-existing anxiety that I'm talking about come from? I think it comes from a suite of negative habits that new technologies have unwittingly sucked us into. Habits like snacking on toxic and fear-inducing news throughout the day, which puts our bodies in a constant state of fight or flight. This was true before coronavirus, but it's even more true now. If you're not modulating your news consumption in the current moment, where the news is striving to constantly and explicitly make you worry about the safety of your own body. This anxiety was present before in our addiction to social media, which is designed to create a feeling of FOMO, otherwise known as fear of missing out, while stoking anxieties about how we measure up against others and even ourselves, as it constantly asks us to consider if we're living our best life. The implication being, of course, that we're not. This anxiety was present before in our penchant for overwork, in our willingness to constantly live in an overstimulated, overaroused way, where we drink coffee to perk us up because we're underslept, and we roll over in bed to grab our phone and check our email first thing in the morning, letting other people's demands into our day before we've even looked out the window and where we can never turn off or slow down because our phones are always pinging and we want to be our best self and we want to follow our passion and we have no idea what enough is or what it would look like to be satisfied with ourselves or anything else. So we just keep going and working and wringing our hands that we haven't accomplished enough. And the vicious cycle continues. And all of that striving and comparison and overwork creates a toxic layer of anxiety that covers over something really important, our intuition. But what exactly is intuition? The New Oxford American Dictionary defines intuition as, quote, the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning, end quote. That sounds close to me, but not quite right. It still has a slight feeling of being perhaps too intellectual or too external, outside the body, when in fact intuition is all about being deeply connected to and in your body so that you can be present and tap into that deep inner knowing that is always with you. But anxiety pulls us out of the body. It makes us dissociate from the body as we spend the majority of our time on screens rather than in the real world, connecting with people or with nature. It pulls all of our energy up into the head, and we start to think that conscious reasoning is the only type of information available to us. We start to think that intuition is a little murky, a little mysterious, a little unreliable. We start to wonder why we should trust that very faint voice somewhere deep inside that has different ideas about how we should be doing things. And from a cultural perspective, the deck is really stacked against intuition. It began hundreds of years ago with the separation of mind and body, when Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, as if rational thought or conscious reason was the only right way to get information as if being in touch with the inner knowing that wells up from deep within us were not the most primary way of connecting with and affirming our existence. 
And ever since we dismissed the body, we've drifted deeper into our love affair with science and studies and rational thought. Until we arrive at the current moment of big data and the quantified self, where numbers and statistics and steps reign supreme over our psyches, while gut feelings and intuition and your own basic felt knowledge of your body are deemed not good enough. But it turns out all the while, all of the big data we need to solve any problem is right inside of us. We have only to come home to the body and unlock it. We have only to peel back the layers of anxiety that have covered over that inner knowing, that have muffled it. And underneath, there is incredible power. Because intuition isn't some sort of diaphanous, mysterious, flimsy feeling state to be dismissed in favor of stolid, reliable reason. Intuition is the incredibly powerful, connected font of all the actions that we take that are truly aligned with our highest purpose. Intuition is what fuels our most courageous acts and our most creative acts. Intuition guides us into a flow state from which we can make inspired decisions. Intuition leads us to make connections with exactly the right people at exactly the right time. Intuition leads us down the path to luck, and it gives us the strength to have faith that everything is happening in exactly the way it should for a very good reason, even if we can't consciously reason our way to an understanding of it right now. Let me give you a personal example from my own journey. Since 2014, when I first went to see the healer I've mentioned before on this show, the one who asked me the question, who are you without the doing? Since that moment in 2014, I've been working fairly actively to peel away the layers and layers of anxiety I had accrued from years of self-criticism and overwork and creative misalignment. I had done a plant ceremony with this woman, and the end result was that I had no anxiety for three weeks following the ceremony. It was incredible to me. I thought, do other people live like this? Of course, it eventually came back, but I could now see that the anxiety was something that was being added on, that it wasn't a core part of my identity. I thought I was an anxious person, but I saw that there was the possibility of being a very different person. And the more I peeled away those layers of anxiety, the more I was able to hear my own voice, both the internal voice of inner knowing and my external voice to speak up and share my ideas. A year after that ceremony, I launched my blog and my newsletter. A year after that, I published a book. Slowly, I was starting to find my voice. I also started doing public speaking and became more acquainted with using my voice physically. Three years after that plant ceremony, I launched this podcast, literally putting my voice front and center to articulate my ideas for the first time. A year after that, I started to feel confident that I had something to teach for the first time and began making my first course, which would become Reset. The more I worked on peeling away those layers of anxiety, the more I could hear that internal voice of knowing guiding me to the next step. And the more I took those steps, the more I began to find my external, physical voice and to use it in the world. And last year, I arrived at a real inflection point in the journey. After diligently chipping and chipping away at my anxiety for years, I seemed to arrive at some sort of deeper spiritual decluttering. 
It was rather like if you'd been taking a shower with a shower head on the normal setting, just, you know, cleansing yourself. And then someone turned it to the setting where all of the water is coming out of just one jet in this intense sort of battering power wash stream. That's what 2019 felt like. I got spiritually power washed, which is great afterwards. You're almost as good as new, but rather painful in the process. Anyway, I'm telling you this because the final phase of the power wash involved a period of fairly intense intuitive action, where I made a handful of pretty big life decisions and I wasn't, from a rational perspective, entirely sure why. But I just had the feeling, the intuition, that this was what I had to do. The first was buying a house upstate after a strange series of synchronicities. It started last August when I was sketching out some ideas for a retreat I wanted to have for about 150 people. And I had the intuition that I should Google Barnes in the Catskills. So I did. 60 seconds later, I was looking at this beautiful converted barn that looked like a church nestled in a quaint little town in upstate New York. I instantly had a destiny feeling. So I called the realtor and I made an appointment to see it the next Friday. The barn was gorgeous and I should add, totally out of my price range. But it was close enough that I could have a fantasy about making it work. And it also happened to have an interior decorating style that was exactly to my taste. It had a soaking tub, it had a cedar sauna, and it had this magical veranda overlooking the treetops. And it had two massive gallery floors on which I could do events, where I could have this retreat I had just been daydreaming about. It was amazing. It was like it was perfectly constructed to lure me upstate. But when I was there, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like I should live there. But visiting the barn did give me a bunch of ideas and inspiration about how I wanted to get back to doing live events and how I maybe wanted to create some sort of artist residency and how I maybe wanted to live in a small town in upstate more than I had previously guessed. And I remembered how I'd been walking around Brooklyn three or four months prior and thinking, I don't think I'm going to live in Brooklyn for much longer. But I had no idea what that meant or how it would happen. Then the realtor sent me the cost of the utilities for the barn the next day, which was 10,000 square feet, I should note. And it became clear that buying this place would be financially insane. And I couldn't do it, shouldn't do it. But then I thought, well, what if I could find a cute little house in the same town that was in my price range? So back to Zillow I went, and 60 seconds later, I was looking at this super special little cottage from 1922 that had this unusual combination of airiness and coziness that felt exactly right to me. So I called the realtor. She happened to pick up and told me that so many people were interested in the house, it was going to best and final offer on Monday. And I would have to come see it tomorrow if I wanted to even have a chance of getting it. Mind you, this is Saturday, one day after I went upstate for the first time to see the barn. So I go back upstate on Sunday to see the cottage. It was a perfect day, and I fell in love with it. The dappily light in the yard through the pines reminded me of the woods I used to run around in as a child. And I just had an extremely strong sense of, yes, you belong here. So I decided to make an offer on the house. So to be clear about the timeline here, I had never considered moving upstate, nor hardly spent any time upstate. And here I was, one week after I considered moving upstate for the first time, about to make an offer on a house. Which if I got it, I would be moving into by myself. 
and I also didn't really know anyone up there. I remember driving back in the car after telling the realtor I was going to make an offer and thinking, this is crazy. What are you doing? You never even thought about moving upstate until five minutes ago. Now you're just going to buy the first house you see? And I kept thinking, you should think about this rationally. But I couldn't. It was almost like my rational mind refused to engage. I just had an incredibly strong feeling that this was what I was supposed to do. And funnily enough, that Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel, popped into my head. I'm not a religious person, but something about the sentiment felt right. It felt like someone else was driving and my job was to just go along for the ride. So I did. And there were three other offers on the house, but I got it. And two months to the day after I thought about moving upstate for the very first time, I was driving a moving van to my new house. I should add that I moved upstate in October right before winter, which anyone who lives upstate will tell you is a terrible time to make the move, right before the hardest, grayest time of year. So I was flying pretty high on my intuition before the move, and then I made the move, and it was like, oh God, I'm in this cold house upstate, and I'm all alone. What have I done? So it wasn't all roses. And in the midst of that not-all-roses adjustment to upstate life, Thanksgiving was coming around the bend. And I made plans to have a couple of friends from the city come up for a celebration. But then I started to get a very strong feeling that rather than hanging out with folks from the city, I should keep my calendar open because an opportunity to meet some folks upstate might arise. It made me a bit uncomfortable to renege, but I got in touch with my friends, and we worked out a different time for them to visit. And then a queer friend of mine from the city invited me to have Thanksgiving with a close friend of hers who lived upstate because she knew I was trying to meet new folks in the area. So I said yes. And as I drove over on Thanksgiving Day, I was in an incredibly bleak mood and didn't really have high hopes for meeting this new person at all. But then I pulled into the driveway and she came tumbling out the door with a bunch of rowdy dogs and I was like, whoa, this is a really beautiful person. I didn't know it then, but I know it now, that this woman is the love of my life. And a funny side note, as I had been driving there, romance wasn't entirely off my mind. But my thought was, what are the chances that I'll be attracted to my friend's one queer friend upstate? I mean, come on. And it turns out that my now partner was having the same thought at the same time. And as a weird joke, had thought about saying, do you believe in love at first sight? when she came out the door to greet me that day. Luckily, she decided against it, because that would have felt like the opposite of a joke. And as I reflect back on that moment now, I can remember two early twinges of intuition. That last summer, I had told my brother that I thought I would meet someone in November, and then promptly forgot about it. And that when I had moved upstate, I'd had a very strong feeling that I was going to meet my person that I couldn't find them in the city, and that I had to range further afield. And so it was. And I'm telling you this long story to illustrate in a small way how my intuition has started to open up as I've peeled more and more layers of anxiety away, as well as to indicate that intuition often emerges, and especially in the early stages, as a subtle knowing that must be followed and trusted and teased out. Sometimes it comes as a full-body yes, But more often, in order to arrive at that emphatic yes, you must first set reason aside and trust the early twinges of intuition, long before it gets validated. 
Only now am I starting to truly settle into my new home and feeling deeply blessed that I made the move to be closer to nature before the world went haywire. Only now that I've found my person, a fact that I can still hardly believe because it seems too good to be true. Only now, more than eight months after I decided to move upstate, is the full body yes arriving. Only now has the rightness of the decisions made months ago began to become fully apparent. In a way that it feels like the universe had a whole beautiful plan in mind. And by trusting and taking action, I got to go along for the ride and let it unfold. As Carolyn Mace writes in her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, quote, Intuition, like all meditative disciplines, can be enormously effective if, and only if, one has the courage and personal power to follow through on the guidance it provides. Guidance requires action, but does not guarantee safety. While we measure our own success in terms of our personal comfort and security, the universe measures our success by how much we have learned. So long as we use our own intuitive guidance, by its very nature, it directs us into new cycles of learning that are sometimes uncomfortable. End quote. So there's the first challenge of peeling back the anxiety so that we might begin to hear our intuition. But then there's the secondary challenge of being willing to follow its guidance, because it is often directing us to do something that's a bit uncomfortable or scary as a necessary next step in our personal evolution. If we crave transformation, we must be willing to make the leap. So let's come back now to the present moment where most of us are still cooped up, living in a difficult situation, uncertain when we will reemerge into the world. And even when we do reemerge, I think that the adjustment will be a bit more challenging than we suspect. There's a kind of raw, new sense of vulnerability and connectedness that we are all going to have to learn how to take on board and integrate. Even so, at some point, we will get back into a groove with everyday life and our routines and our social interactions. But it will never be completely back to normal because our worldview has been unalterably changed. There will be a new normal. And the question for all of us, one that many people have been asking, is what do we want that new normal to be? My own belief is that we have a real opportunity in this moment an opportunity to go within during this time of stillness and to reemerge into the world more aligned with the values that matter most to us, more aligned with our communities and the collective good, more aligned with our intuition, with that deep inner knowing that helps us connect with our highest purpose. So as of today, I'm opening registration for a new course called Hi-Fi, that I hope can help us all do just that. Tune in to our own inner knowing, the wisdom of the heart, so that we can reemerge from this moment of crisis with new conviction, creativity, and compassion. Hi-Fi is all about peeling away those layers of accrued anxiety that I've been talking about, from overwork, from self-criticism, from creative misalignment, from fear, and uncertainty. It's about peeling away that anxiety so that we can access a deeper knowing, a deeper creativity, and a deeper sense 
of purpose. I'll be sharing practices, ideas, and field notes from my own journey from anxiety to intuition as we move through four different levels of the self to free up your inner wisdom. We'll start with the physical body, learning how to come back into the body and ground in the present moment to release anxiety. We'll be talking about how you can invite embodied rituals into your daily routine and how you can communicate with your body's energy system to align it with your intentions. Then we'll move up to the level of the mind and how you can reboot your self-talk and adjust your productivity mindset to engage in tender discipline, creating a supportive and gentle environment that's open to intuition. From there, we'll expand out from the body and the mind to discuss your environment and how you can create a home and a workspace that feels like a sanctuary, one that supports creative flow and spiritual expansion. And finally, we'll expand out even further into a conversation about ethics and values, rediscovering your most deeply held beliefs and how you can align with them moving forward to define a new normal that feels integrated and aligned with your highest purpose. And we will be doing all of this in community. A huge part of my vision for Hi-Fi is bringing together a wonderful group of open-hearted people to go through this transformation together. So all of the video lessons led by me will be supplemented with a variety of community activities designed to bring us together and provide a supportive space for personal growth. I've laid out Hi-Fi as a 12-week course, which we'll move through in two-week cycles. Every cycle will include a new video lesson accompanied by a tune-in ritual to help you integrate the learning. Then we'll come together online for a live activity and Q&A session to tailor the learnings to your specific challenges. And if you choose to participate, you'll also meet regularly with a small group of peers, or your ally group, as I'm calling it, to swap notes on prompts and exercises I share with you, as well as to offer each other advice and support. Additionally, I'll be leading the group in a guided energy meditation once a month to help integrate the practices we'll be learning into the physical body. One thing I can tell you from firsthand experience is that we have the opportunity to tap into a really amazing community for this. Over 20,000 people are regular listeners to this podcast and subscribers to my newsletter. And it's an absolutely incredible group. Over the years, you all have written me so many wonderful notes about journeys of personal transformation that you are on, the incredible things you're building in the world, and the spiritual challenges you are moving through. So I know there's such an amazing brain trust of you listening right now. And I would love to invite those among you who are feeling ready to do some deep personal work, who are ready to open your hearts and move into deeper connection to source, who are ready to bring your amazing talents and minds to the table, to swap notes and give and receive support to and from this community. I would love to invite all of you to consider participating in Hi-Fi. I think there's a real opportunity to create something special here. Registration is open now through next Friday, May 29th at hifi-course.com. That's H-I-F-I hyphen 
thewelfweekcourse.com. The 12-week course itself will begin the week of June 7th and continue through mid-August. Unlike previous courses I've created, such as Reset, this is not something I'm planning to ever offer again in this format. I've created HiFi specifically to support us in this strange global moment. So if it interests you, now is the time to participate. So once again, registration is now open for my new course about tuning into the wisdom of the heart at hi-fi-course.com. I truly hope you can join. As always, thanks for listening, and remember to hurry slowly. Thank you.